And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the captivating Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's a locked-roomed whodunit on Escape, starring Joan Banks from 1948. But first, it's Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, a Hollywood 360 listener named David must correctly answer more true or false questions about Bob Seger than I. Lisa Wolf Hall is our moderator. Lisa, please say hello to David. Hi, David. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Carl. How you doing? Hey, what's up, David? It's great to hear from you. What's up? Yes. Good to be on the air with both of you. Uh, Thank you. It's good to hear your voice. Uh, We're going to talk Bob Seger, or as he was born, Robert Clark Seger. Uh And he was born May 6th of 1945. So I guess that's today. He's 78. Oh, wow. Wow. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Bob. Wow. So these are true or false. Uh, David, my money is on you. And so Uh-oh. let's see how it goes. Here's... And she's pretty tight with her money, so that's, that's a for compliment sure. <laughs> for you. <laughs> I'm nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure is on. David, the first question okay. is for you. His song, Like a Rock, was inspired by Bruce Springsteen. True or false? Oh, uh, I'll say true. Sounds true. It's false. Uh, you're not supposed to agree with each other. Um, his oh, song... Wait. Hang on. Whoops. <laughs> so close. Wrong button. It's the song Night Moves that was inspired by oh, Bruce Springsteen. I like both of those songs. Those are both good, but yeah, it was yeah. Night Moves. Both really? Good. Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Carl? Yes? He co-wrote the Eagles' hit Heartache Tonight. True. David? Oh, he's... Carl sounded pretty confident about that. I'll go along. I'm pretty confident about it. Yes, that one is correct. It is true. true. But David, I also will tell you, whenever he answers, he always sounds confident, even when he gets it wrong. I'm a confident guy. He just acts like he always knows everything. Listen, I'm 6'4", 220 pounds. (laughs) Well, maybe the 220, (laughs) but definitely not the (laughs) 6'4". Okay. Carl's a little overconfident. Uh, Let's just keep Maybe a mind. little overconfident. Okay. It's not a bad thing now and then. Maybe we'll call him poker. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. David, Chevy used Bob Seger's song, Like a Rock, in their TV commercials. True or false? Uh, I, I will say true. Is it Chevy? I think it's like a rock. 
Um, Chevy. <laughs> I think so. It is. It's Chevy okay. trucks. That's absolutely We've agreed true. on all of these, yeah. uh, David and I. That's unusual, too. Carl. Think alike. That's right. Uh-oh. Now, that's dangerous, David. I don't know that you want to think like <laughs> Carl, but <laughs> Carl. Yes. Lincoln Park, Indiana, declared November 17th, 2017, Bob Seger Day. Mm, I'm going to just say false on that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to say false. Nah. It is false. What did you think yeah. was wrong with it? The date. No, the date is correct. Oh. It's Lincoln Park, Michigan. It's ah. Michigan, not Indiana. He was born in Michigan. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, the location sounded suspicious. Yeah. Ah. Well, it is Lincoln Park, but I changed the state. So ah, very geez. good. Very tricky. So tricky. So how are we doing? What's the score? We're tied. Like? Okay, David. Bob Seger began yep. performing in Detroit in 1961 in a three-piece band called the Diamond Trio. True or false? Oh, uh, I'll believe it. Yeah, I'll say yeah. He probably was playing like the tambourine or something. He would have been like five years old or something like that. Or 1961. Seven years well, he was born in 45. Oh. Um, and this is 1961, so I don't okay. think he was playing the tambourine, but okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to disagree with David. You're going to say false. Yeah. Okay, it's false. Oh, it wasn't. Man. It wasn't Here's the Diamond David. Trio. I made that up. It was the Decibels. Oh, the she's, so, she's so tricky, Dave. Okay, there's one question left. Oh, the best you can do is tie, so you better get this. Carl, you're yes. up. I'm up. You ready? Better, you better guess the opposite Just of me. Just disagree, please. Carl. Yes? Buddy Holly was Bob Seger's early musical inspiration. True or false? I would say true on that. David? Uh, yeah, I would probably say true as well. <laughs> <laughs> David, you have to disagree with him. I told you that. Oh, no. So change your answer before so I we're say. Both, nah, we're both it wrong. It was false. It was false. Little Richard. That was your ah, chance. It's all right. Little Richard? Yes. All right. Wow. Yeah. David is uh, one of my favorite players. I know. I, lo- I, I love agree. David. David, you're awesome. You're awesome, You'll buddy. You'll have to call back and, you know. Do your thing next time. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it differently. You guys are my favorite radio personalities. Uh, thank you. I'm going to send you some fun CDs, my friend, and uh, have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Say bye. hi to everyone. Uh, yeah. Take care. Take care. Bye. When, we, when we come back, it's a high adventure episode of Escape. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. We talked about them earlier. Me's Meals, one of our loyal sponsors. We love them. We all, and I say me being myself, Lisa, and Mike Bubble Bath Costella, we order every single week from Me's Meals. We get amazing uh, dinners delivered right to our home. It takes about 20 minutes to cook them. They're incredible. Every week they have 7, 8, 10 different new items at measmeals.com, M-E-E-Z meals.com. And this week, Lisa's looking at the menu right now. Some great things, right? Right. So I think, Carl, you decided to order, let me go do it, the Kung Pao uh, tacos. Yeah, with uh, steak Kung Pao? Yes, Kung Pao Steak Tacos. Ooh. So it's um, 
it says can't decide between Chinese or Mexican. You won't have to. You can choose uh, Kung Pao sauce, drizzled sirloin strips wrapped in warm tortillas, topped with basil, cilantro, sesame crunch. I want it. It looks good. There's a great picture there. What are you getting? Um, I think I'm going to order for the family uh, the chicken. It's the, uh, I don't know, I can't find the pomegranate glazed chicken with cheesy smashed potatoes. Oh, I have had that. It's great. Yeah, that's and a great one. what's Mike getting? Do I don't know. know. What do you think, All right. Mike? Um, maybe the shrimp? Well, we'll Is see. There, does there happen to be a crab thing on that menu? Not, Not this, this time, week. but I'm watching for you. But, you know, it, it's got great ingredients. Healthy vegetables are all packed with protein and great healthy vegetables. And that's how you make a great dinner with great ingredients. That's what Mies Meals does. And here's the great thing, too. They want you to try their product. It's unbelievable. Their dinners are amazing. Takes you 20 minutes to get it on the table. Feed your family like a gourmet meal. And uh, 50% off is their offer the first time you order. It's incredible. Go to their website, Mies, M-E-E-Z, meals.com. Order whatever you want, and then use the promo code CARL at checkout, and your order will be cut in half. So make sure you do that. Go to MiesMeals.com, use promo code CARL, and get 50% off. All right, time for Escape. This was a great series. It was really like the sister series to suspense it was uh, produced by cbs norman mcdonald who brought us suspense and Gunsmoke, was the producer director behind escape and they usually didn't have stars but they had great pros starring in every episode and we have an episode for you now starring a pro joan banks called the vanishing lady february 1st 1948 here's part one of escape in Paris, unable to speak the language, unable to cope with a gigantic conspiracy which seeks to convince you that you are mad. You are the victim of a plot from which there is no escape. Escape. Produced, directed, and tonight written by William N. Robeson and carefully contrived to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Tonight we escape to Paris at the time of the Great Exposition and one of the recurring legends of our time in Alexander Wilkett's version of the story of The Vanishing Lady. Another cup of tea, Bruce? Uh, no, thank you, my dear. i just light up my pipe now and have a look at the evening standard. I'd like another, please, Mother. All right, Alice. Uh, uh, uh. Only one sugar, dear. We must watch our figures, you oh. know. <laughs> what nonsense. A growing girl like Alice needs plenty of sugar. <laughs> See, Mother, Daddy approves. Perhaps. But Mother is still boss. Yes, Mother. There's a dear. Mother... Yes, dear. I've been thinking. Yes, dear? I've been thinking about my grandparents. Oh. I know all about Daddy's parents. How 
Grandfather Stanley commanded a dreadnought at the Battle of Jotland? It was not a dreadnought, Alice. It was a heavy cruiser. Oh, yes. Heavy cruiser. And he got the VC and how Grandmother Stanley was a volunteer nurse at Westerl Arch when the Zeppelins came over. And I know about your father, too, and how he died in India from his wounds and how gallant he was at the Khyber Pass. But, Mother... Yes, dear? You've never, never told me anything about Grandmother Winship. Haven't I? No, and I'd, I'd like to know something Bruce. about Bruce. The child's 16. I think it's time she knew. But, Bruce... And you'd probably feel better to get it off your chest. What, Mother? What is it? Well, my dear, I've never talked about your grandmother because I... I've always half believed that someday, somehow, she would come down our garden walk and... I know it sounds silly, and explain where she's been for the last 20 years. Why? What happened to her? I don't know. And I don't suppose I ever will. Cynthia, darling, if it's going to upset you... No, Bruce, you're quite right. It would be best to get it off my chest, as you put it. As you know, Alice, I was born and brought up in India. And I was about your age when my father was killed in the Khyber campaign. Mother decided to leave India for good and return to her old home in Warwickshire. However, since it was necessary for her to go to Paris to attend to some details of my father's estate, she decided that we should leave the P&O boat in Marseille and proceed by train. You may imagine the timidity with which we two unescorted ladies traveled across France. Without the slightest knowledge of the language and without indeed assurance that we could find a hotel room in Paris. Though we had telegraphed for reservations for Marseille. You see, the great Paris exposition had just opened, and the city was jammed with visitors from all over the world. You may imagine our relief when we arrived at the Grand Hotel Universel and heard the clerk speak in quite ah, understandable English. Welcome, welcome. You will please to sign the register. Air and air. Uh, you have our reservation? Oh, indeed, yes. Most fortunate, madame, that you telegraphed. For I have reserved for you the last room in the house. Oh, I'm so relieved. Yes, Cynthia. You may as well learn now to sign a register for yourself. Oh, yes, Mama. Where do I write? Uh, there, in that line. Oh, yes, I see. Voila. You are uh, fatigued from your journey, uh, No. Uh, I shall have the boy show you to your rooms at once. Uh, chasseur, uh, chasseur! Oui, monsieur. Le Parpent 342 pour mademoiselle et madame Winship, tout de suite. Uh, bien, monsieur. Uh, this is your baggage, madame? Uh, yes, these six. Uh, le voile bagage, il y a six pièces. You'd best carry the little one with the medicine in it. Yes, maman. Uh, thank you. I'll take that one. Uh, the little red one. Très bien. Uh, this way, ladies. Keep your eye on that porter, Cynthia. I don't trust this Frenchman. Oh, Mama. I don't think he'll make off with our things. Uh, here's the lift. Troisième étage. Troisième. Oh, I do wish we could have gone straight on to Southampton. But you'd only have had to come back across the channel to see the solicitor, Mama. We really saved time this way. I suppose I mean I wish we hadn't come to Paris at all. Such a sinister place. Oh, Mama. Voilà, le troisième. Uh, this way, ladies. Uh, to the right. Attendez. Eh bien. 338, 340, 342. Oh, voilà. Entrez, ladies. Thank you. Oh, what a lovely big room. 
And look, Mama. French windows. And the park out there. Oh, is this easy? Uh, no, and thank the you. The square with the statues yeah. on it. Merci. Oh, and look thank at the you, river ladies. over there. And those beautiful, beautiful bridges. Oh, Mother, it, it's something out of a book. Yes, my dear. That's the trouble with Paris. It's so attractive. But underneath, it's evil. And look at the furniture. The gilt clock. And this lovely marble table. Oh, Mama, everything is so... So French. I'll be very glad to be on my way to where everything's English by this time tomorrow. Now, come away from that window and help me get into something comfortable. There's a dear. Yes, Mama, of course. I don't know when I've been so tired. I just can't seem to catch my... Mama. Mama, what's the matter? Mama! Mama, speak to me. Here, I'll get you up into the bed. There. Now, let me loosen your corset. Here. Here, Mama. Here are the smelling salts. Breathe deeply, darling. Mama. The telephone. I've got to get a doctor. Hello, operator. Will you please send a doctor up to room number... Well, let me see. Number 342. Pardon? Will you please send a doctor to room number 342? While I waited for the doctor, I did everything I could think of to bring my mother back to consciousness. I massaged her fingers and toes. I put wet cloths on her forehead. I waved the smelling salts under her nose. But she lay silent and white and unmoving like one dead. Only the quick, shallow movement of her breast assured me she was not. And all the time, another anxiety possessed me. What if this doctor could not speak English? How should I tell him the circumstances of mother's unexpected fainting? How should I understand his instructions for treatment? I'm sure it was not long, although it seemed like an eternity before he arrived, accompanied by the manager of the hotel. And to my great relief, they both spoke English. The doctor felt mother's pulse, took her temperature, and did the usual things that doctors do. Then he turned to the tail-coated hotel manager. Uh, Hotel français? Pas un mot. Vous en êtes sûr? Oui, tout à fait. Alors, je ne peux parler à mon aise. Monsieur, ceci, c'est une affaire très sérieuse. N'ayez pas l'air alarmé lorsque je vous mets au courant. Cette femme est atteinte de la peste. De la peste. Elle n'a qu'une heure à vivre. Je n'ai pas besoin de vous dire... While they talked in this language I couldn't understand, I looked from one face to the other, trying to read from their expressions how serious my mother's illness was. But they were as casual as though they were ordering dinner. Finally, I could stand it no longer. They must... You must tell me. What is the matter with her? Mademoiselle, your mother is ill, yes. Seriously ill. It is a collapse. Due perhaps to the strain of travelling... Uh, however, a week of, or two of absolute rest A week will... or two? We were to go on to England tomorrow. Well, that would be out of the question. She cannot be moved for at least several days. Right now, she must have a complete rest. The next 24 hours will be critical. Oh, Mama. Poor Mama. No, 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 Mademoiselle, you must not break down too. I need your help. Yes, Doctor. Immediately, I need some medicine. Will you fetch it for me? I... Yes, I but... must not leave your mother for a moment during these critical hours. Here, I will write down this address and a little message to my wife. Your wife? Yes, I have the medicine already prepared at my home. It will be faster to go there for it than to a pharmacy. There are a few chemists who have the ingredients. But couldn't you telephone? Oh, alas, I have no telephone. 
Well, then, a messenger, perhaps. Oh, mademoiselle, you do not know Paris so en fait. With the exposition opening, nowhere can you find a reliable messenger. They are all selling uh, souvenirs. No, mademoiselle, you will accomplish the errand more rapidly yourself. Ah, voici l'adresse. Here's the address, 24 bis rue Val-de-Grâce. And here is the message to give to my wife. But I don't know Paris at all. I'm a total stranger here. I'm sure the manager here will uh, give the necessary instructions to the cabbie. Indeed, I will. If mademoiselle is ready... Before I quite knew what was happening, I was seated in a rickety taxicab outside the hotel with the doctor's message clutched in my hand while the hotel manager gave a voluble direction to the cabbie. Allez au petit pain, hein? Prenez la piste la plus circuitueuse et surtout ne soyez pas de retour en moins de deux heures. Entendu? Entendu. Bon. It is arranged, mademoiselle. Jacques here is one of our most trusted cabbies. He will get you to the doctor's house and back in safety. Oh, thank you so much, sir. And you will look after mother, won't you? Oh, indeed I will. Of that, you may be sure. This makes me think of Pepe Le Pew. Remember Pepe Le Pew? Of course. That cartoon? Bullwinkle? It was, I think, it, Pepe Le was Pew. It? No, it wasn't on oh. Bullwinkle. Pepe Le Pew oh. was a Looney Tunes, I'm pretty sure. And um, right. and you know, remember it was like, it was because Mel Blanc did right. the, the voice. The, Pepe Le Pew. And he was always after like a skunk, remember? And then yeah, the skunk. Yeah, it was from Looney Tunes. That's yeah, exactly right. And then the right. skunk was like. Right. And then it, and the skunk was always like, "Leave me alone," yeah. you know. <laughs> I like Peppy Le Pew. I love all those Looney Tune cartoons. Anyway, you're a Looney you're, Tune. you're Looney. <laughs> We're listening to Escape with Joan Banks in the Vanishing Lady from 1948. Great show and uh, terrific uh, supporting players in this. Many of them that speak French. French. Like you. They speak French. Yeah, you're excellent at it too. <laughs> the accent we'll is see right you on. Soon. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, and Suspense, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows, along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Lisa Wolf and I co-host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Don't forget, you can receive the entire five-hour show sent to your email via digital download link like a couple of days after we do the show. Like, we're doing the show live right now across uh, a couple hundred radio stations coast to coast. A lot of those radio stations don't carry the full five hours. We, we, we hear from our listeners all the time, like, oh, man. Uh, this station in Nebraska only carries three hours, or this station in 
Biloxi, Mississippi, or whatever the case may be, right, Lisa? We get right, these... or sometimes you just can't be home for the full five yeah, hours, that's even true. if it does. You have, yeah. Some people have a life, some don't, right. I don't know. You know. But, I mean, we're here, so yeah. uh, we want our listeners to hear the whole five-hour show. That's because we have no life. <laughs> <laughs> this is our life. So what we do is uh, we, we take the uh, full five-hour feed and we add an hour to it. We add about a 45-minute bonus to it. Radio Rarities is a podcast that Lisa and I co-host about uh, rare radio shows, and Carl Shadow writes it. So we take the full five-hour Hollywood 360 show and a weekly Radio Rarities podcast, and we send that entire thing to our uh, subscribers of the Hollywood 360 podcast. And Radio Rarities truly is a bonus because it is a conglomeration of a lot of hard work and a lot of great information, and it really um, turns out to be something really unique. Yeah, so if you want to get this sent to your email and a link that never expires, so you can literally listen to it whenever you want, and as long as you don't delete it from your email, you can, you know, you can listen to it whenever you want. You and, can uh, even listen if you delete. You just go to the delete. I box. guess so. All right. right. Well, since you're technical about it, well, and you know I'm not technical. Oh, I didn't know. Um, so to sign up, it's really easy. Just go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com, right at the top of the website, all of the information how to do it. And um, it's super inexpensive. It we're a- only ask you to cover our costs. It's only a dollar fifty a week to get that email, and that covers like the Mailchimp costs and to and the and the uh, bandwidth cost to do it. That's all it is. And we charge you once a month five ninety nine a month. That's it. It ring it dings your card five ninety nine a month, and then you get that every single week. So you go to Hollywood three sixty radio dot com Hollywood three sixty radio dot com or Call and talk to a live operator, and that operator will sign you up, 815-900-7535, 815-900-7535. If an operator doesn't answer, leave your name and telephone number, and someone will call you back. Are we listening to Escape? This is The Vanishing Lady. Here's the conclusion. When we left the hotel... We crossed a huge square with statues around it and turned into a wide avenue which led up a gentle incline, at the top of which was a huge arch. But before long, we turned off to the right into narrower streets. It must have been 20 minutes later when we turned into another wide boulevard and I saw another huge arch up ahead. Or was it the same arch? Driver! Mademoiselle? Haven't we passed that arch before? Regardez, mademoiselle, voici l'arc de triomphe. Là-bas, la Driver, I don't want a sightseeing tour. I want to go to this address directly. Don't you understand? Please, now take me there at once. En fait, sans mieux. De la patience, mademoiselle. Paris, c'est une grande ville, voyons. We turned into a narrow street and pulled up before a grim gray house. The blue enamel sign on the wall read number 24 Beast. I jumped out of the cab almost before it stopped, rushed up the three stone steps and pulled at the brass bell knob. Oh, hurry. Hurry, hurry, please. We? Oh, oh, the doctor sent me for some medicine. Here, please read this. Retenez cette jeune femme aussi longtemps possible. C'est de la plus grande importance pour l'avenir de Paris et même de la France. 
Oh, entrez, mademoiselle. Thank you. Quand vous ne pouvez plus la faire The doctor's wife stood there reading and rereading the note as though she didn't understand it. And until I thought I would scream. Oh, please, please hurry. Get the medicine. It's my mother. She may be dying. I must get back to her. Please hurry. Asseyez-vous. She pointed to a chair. Attendez. And slowly walked down the hall and closed the door behind her. I waited. And waited. And I wondered. Wondered about the time the taxi had taken to get here. About that arch that looked so familiar. And I was torn by the hundred nameless anxieties that torture you when your nearest and dearest is ill. And then I heard something that froze my blood. A telephone. A telephone clearly ringing somewhere in the house. But the doctor had said he had no telephone. That was the reason I must come all the way for the medicine. No, it, it couldn't be in this house. It, it must be next door or across the street. Of course, that's where the sound was coming from. Hello? But no. It was the voice of the doctor's wife answering the phone. Oh, no. No, what monstrous plot was this? I felt my scalp crawl with terror. My brain pounded and my head felt as though it would burst. I wanted to scream, to run out of this awful house, to run all the way across Paris to the bedside of my mother. Voilà, mademoiselle. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Au revoir, mademoiselle. Now, driver, please. Please, in the name of your own mother, hurry back to the hotel as fast as possible. Please. Ben oui. On fait de son mieux, mademoiselle. Roulant. But my pleading was of no use. Either it was misunderstood or ignored. We crawled across Paris just as slowly as we had come. And I was certain I saw that same white arch three times. But at last we crossed the great square with the statues in it. And I knew we were close to the hotel. Please, please hurry. En fait de son mieux, voyons. Just beyond the great square, we turned up a narrow street, which shortly ended a wide circle, in the middle of which was a tall, slender monument. The driver swung around the monument and pulled up before the entrance of the hotel, reached back and opened the door. Voilà. Voilà, mademoiselle. I jumped out of the cab. And then I saw the sign over the entrance. It said, Hotel Ritz. Driver, you've taken me to the wrong hotel. I'm staying at the Grand Hotel Universal. Mais non, mademoiselle, je vous ai pris en Ritz. Et je vous dépose en Ritz, il y a 50, I, 50 en bas. I don't understand what you're saying, but will you please take me to the Grand Hotel Universal? Mais c'est ici que je vous ai pris, et c'est ici que je vous dépose. Oh, you stupid, uh, stupid man, can't you understand? My mother is ill. You've taken more than two hours to get me to that doctor's house and back. Can't you understand? My mother is sick, perhaps dying. Dieu, mademoiselle, les affaires de mon grade pas. Donc, voici, aérer la médité, elle va payer. A small group of passers-by had stopped and were listening curiously to the argument. Then they joined in and started taking sides. Everywhere I looked for foreign faces, strangers, enemies. And then, shouldering his way through the crowd, I saw a bareheaded young man in tweeds with a pipe clamped in his teeth. And before he had a chance to speak, I knew help had come. Uh, I say, having some trouble? Oh, thank heavens, you're English. All right, you are. Uh, what seems to be the matter? I told him rapidly as I could, and he paid the mulish cabby. Merci, monsieur. Popped me into another cab, and five minutes later, we walked into the lobby of the Grand Hotel Universal. The manager was behind the desk. My mother... Is she all right? I beg your pardon? My, my mother, Mrs. Winship in 342. Is she all right? Uh, mademoiselle must be mistaken. There is no Winship in 342. What? 
342 is occupied by Monsieur Auguste Noailles, a permanent guest. But don't you remember me? I'm Cynthia Winship. Two hours ago, you put me into a taxi to go to the doctor's house for some medicine for my mother. I am afraid that Mademoiselle is mistaken. I have never seen her before in my life. Well, look here, what is this? No, listen, I swear it to you. It's just as I say. We signed the register less than three hours ago. We got in on the train from Marseille. Well, let's and... have a look at the register. Yes, I'll show you I'm in 342. Where is the register? It is there, Mademoiselle. You may see it for yourself. See, today's date. Fourteen guests registered, but I don't see any mademoiselle or madame winship. Do you? No. What have you done with my mother? What have you done with my mother? Please, mademoiselle. You have done something Please, with my mademoiselle. I should not have to leave the hotel. We'll get to the bottom of this. Uh, perhaps mademoiselle is mistaken. Perhaps she is registered at some other hotel. No. This is the hotel. The Grand Universal. You... You were standing there when we arrived. You handed my mother the pen with which she registered. You came to the room with the doctor. You put me in the taxi. But I assure you, Mademoiselle, these are fantasies oh, of wait, your imagination. Wait a minute. What is it? That bellboy there. He carried our baggage. He'll remember. Uh, garçon. Uh, oui, monsieur. Vous vous souvenez à déport le bagage de madame à numéro 3, 4, 2, cet après-midi. Non, monsieur. There were six pieces, don't you remember? You wanted to take them all, and I insisted on carrying the jewel case. It was a little red one. Oh, no, mademoiselle. C'est la première fois de ma vie que je vois, mademoiselle. He says he never saw you in his life before. But this is monstrous. It's impossible. My mother is somewhere in this hotel. What have you done with her? What have you done with her? <laughs> Now then, how do you feel, Miss Winship? Better, thank you. This soup was very nourishing. Well, won't you have something else? Salad, a bit of roast? Thank you, no. A cup of tea, perhaps? Certainly. Garçon? Monsieur? Un tasse de terre pour mademoiselle. Tout de suite, monsieur. I don't know how to thank you, Mr... Do you realize I don't even know your name? <laughs> it's Bruce. Bruce Stanley. I'm glad to meet you, Mr. Stanley. It's a pleasure, Miss Winship. Mr. Stanley... You believe me, don't you? Of course I do, Mr. We Richard. did register at that hotel. We were in room 342. I can even describe the furnishings. There was a big window that went from the ceiling to the floor. Well, every hotel room in Paris has windows like that, Miss Winship. Oh, they do? Yes. Well, in this room, the draperies were plum-colored. There was a marble table, a uh, black marble it was, and a gilt clock. It had run down. The hand had stopped, I remember, at 20 minutes past three. The walls were covered in, in rose brocade, and the bedspread was a washed-out yellow... Oh, if I could only get into that room, you'd see I'm not making this up. I'm well, not. I'm sure you aren't. Perhaps I can find a way to make them let you in the room. Oh, can you? Well, yes, I, I'm i with the embassy, you know, undersecretary sort of thing. I uh, I believe the British Empire has enough influence to change the mind of an obstinate Paris innkeeper. Then let's do it. Right away. Well, I, I'm afraid the might of Britain can't move that fast. It's past dinner time. But tomorrow we'll see. Tomorrow? But I must get into that room tonight. I... Have no money. Nowhere to sleep. Well, we can do nothing with the people at the hotel. You saw that. We'll just have to be patient until tomorrow. I'm I'm sure I can find a room for you tonight in a pension near the embassy. You're so very kind. How can I ever thank you, Mr. Stanley? Well, you... You might begin by calling me Bruce. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Cynthia. Oh. 
Oh. What is it? I just thought of something. The doctor. The doctor? Yes, the one the hotel manager brought in to look after Mother. I still have his address somewhere here in my purse. Yes, here it is. Oh, we must go there immediately. He can tell us about Mother. Let me see. 24 bis Rouval de Grasse. Well, that's not far. It's just off the Boulevard Raspail near the Luxembourg. How long would it take to get there by taxi? Oh, about ten minutes. But it... It took over an hour this afternoon. Voilà, monsieur, 24 bis Rouval de Grasse. Well, here we are. Yes, this is the place. Attendez, mon vieux. Uh, très bien, monsieur. The house is dark. Mm, it's quite late. Well, I don't care. We've got to find out tonight. Where is he? There at the upstairs window. Uh, Monsieur le docteur, c'est Mademoiselle Stanley. Elle veut vous questionner à propos de sa mère. Stanley, je ne connais pas Mademoiselle Stanley. He says he doesn't know you. But he must, he must. Doctor, don't you remember this afternoon? You sent me to your house for medicine for my mother. Je ne comprends pas l'anglais. He says he doesn't understand English. Oh, the liar. The dreadful liar. He does. He speaks perfect English. Et vous, jeune homme, je vous conseille de ne pas déranger le repos des gens comme il faut et de vous en aller avant que je n'appelle la police. I... I'm sorry, Cynthia. Oh, Bruce. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? If it hadn't been for Bruce... I'm certain I should have gone out of my mind. He found a room for me at a pension near the embassy, where I spent a sleepless night of anxiety, almost beyond endurance. Bruce called for me at half past ten the next morning and took me back to the hotel. To my surprise, the attitude of the manager had changed completely. Mademoiselle may inspect room 342. We are only too glad to convince Mademoiselle that her mother is not and never was in the Grand Hotel Universal. Why, I... I uh, personally will escort you to the room. This way, please, to the ascenseur. Oh, Bruce, that terrible man. That horrible, Shh, horrible... Cynthia, Cynthia, don't let him upset you. Monsieur, troisième étage. Troisième, monsieur. Now, remember what I told you last night, Bruce. You'll see plum-colored draperies, black marble top table, rose walls, and a gilt clock with a hand stopped at 20 minutes past three. You'll see. Yes, Cynthia. Voilà, le troisième. This way, gentlemen. Uh, it was room 342. You wish to see, mademoiselle? Yes, that's right. Third door to the right. So. You see, Bruce? I know where it is. Yes, madame. Here we are. Voila. Enter, please. Now, Bruce, you shall see the yellow bedspread. Oh. Not quite the room you just described in the elevator, mademoiselle. The drapes are royal blue. Oh. Oh, a little dusty, I fear. I must have this room uh, renovated. You see, there is no marble top table. No. The clock, as you notice, is running. No. And right on time, it seems, the walls are not rose brocade, but yellow flowered wallpaper. No. Now, my dear mademoiselle, you see how thoroughly mistaken you are. No, no, no! They tried to make me think I was mad. They succeeded. I remembered nothing until I awoke in my aunt's house in England two weeks later. Thanks to Bruce, who never left my side. 
during those terrible days when my sanity hung in the balance. Well, that's the story, Alice. That's why I've never been able to talk about your grandmother, Winship. Oh, Mother, how horrible. Because all these years, I've clung to the foolish hope that somehow she'd come back and tell us herself what happened. Oh, you poor dear. You may as well dispel that hope forever, Cynthia. What? Since you've at last brought yourself to discuss your mother's disappearance, I think it's time you knew the true facts. Bruce. Your mother died <gasps> 20 minutes after you left the hotel on that fool's errand for the doctor. Oh, no. She died of the bubonic plague. She'd caught it in India before she sailed. The doctor recognized the symptoms the moment he examined her. He told the hotel manager in French, in your presence... They agreed that the matter must be kept completely secret. If the news leaked out that there was a case of plague in Paris, the city would have been emptied of visitors and the exposition would have been a failure. Oh, Bruce. The conspiracy of silence began in the hotel. The bellboy was paid to claim he never saw you. The taxi driver was paid well to take you to the doctor's house by the most roundabout route. The note to the doctor's wife advised her to detain you as long as she could. And the taxi driver added his own imaginative touch by returning you to the Ritz instead of the Universal. I shudder to think what might have happened if I hadn't come through the Place Vendôme just then. But you didn't know. Not then. When did you find out? Next morning. By then, the conspiracy had grown to international proportions. The embassy had been advised. If the exposition was a failure, the franc would fall, the pound sterling would be affected, that sort of thing... I knew when we went back to the hotel you would not find your plum drapes and rose-colored walls and black marble top table. And you let me go through with it? What, what could I do? I was acting under orders. I knew that the hotel had completely fumigated and redecorated the room overnight, and everything was in readiness to repudiate your story. I had to let the last act of the dreadful farce play to its dreadful end. Mother. What did they do with Mother. Her body was removed from the room less than 30 minutes after you left it. And immediately burned. Why? Why didn't you tell me this years ago? Why did you let me go on all this, this time? This is the first time you've ever mentioned your mother since then, my dear. Alice. Yes, Mother? There's a new issue of the Tatler in the library, dear. Wouldn't you like to look at it? But, Mother, I want to... Now, dear... There's a... Want to have a talk with your father? Escape, produced and directed by William N. Robeson, has brought you The Vanishing Lady by Alexander Wolcott. Adapted for radio by Mr. Robeson. Cynthia was played by Joan Banks. Bruce was played by Haver, I Haverback. The hotel manager and cab driver were played by Ramsey Hill. The musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Fewer. Next week... You are deathly afraid of snakes. And between you and a fortune, between you and escape, you're on the white jaws of a deadly cotton mouth.
Next week, we escape with Irvin S. Cobb's famous story, Snake Doctor. Good night, then, until this same time next week. But again, we offer you Escape. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Sometimes, Lisa, you just want to escape. That's true. You know, I'm thinking that sounds great. I think someone, <laughs> right now. I think one of the two of us are is escaping early tonight. Hmm. And I think that that person is you. Are you Lisa's, thinking that? Lisa's leaving early tonight because it's her- for personal reasons. Because for her, personal reasons. Because, oh, she doesn't want me to say. It's personal. She, oh, it's personal. She's leaving early. Just So she's abandoning bit. me, Just the last Mike hour. Bubble Bath. And yeah. our listeners. Well, just the last hour. So, okay. I mean, a lot of stations don't carry the fifth hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was Escape with uh, The Vanishing Lady, February 1st, 1948, starring Joan Banks. Uh, time for this month in music history. All right. Because I'm still here. We're going back to the 1980s with this song. I've been waiting for a girl like you. So who's singing? That's your specialty. This Waiting for a Girl Like You by... Um, Culture Club? No. Uh, who is it? No, Foreigner. Oh, Foreigner. Foreigner. This was released on their album Four. That's what it's called, Four, in 1981. It peaked at number two on the Billboard chart. I, I, I never was a big Foreigner fan. Oh, really? Yeah. But this is a good song. Yeah, it's a good one. I mean, I only picked the good one, my life. I'm trying to get a record deal out of this I know. Show. You're just going to have to keep trying a little bit longer, I'm I afraid. guess so. <laughs> All right. More of Hollywood 360 after this break. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, it's a Western adventure of Red Rider, starring Reed Hadley from 1942. But first, we're going to need a Hollywood 360 listener contestant to play Name That Tune. That's right. We all are going to be listening to Bob Seger songs. And if you'd like to name that Bob Seger tune, you can give us a call at 312-642-5600. We are looking for caller number 13 to be on the air Lucky and win 13. some prizes. All right. We'll see you soon. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform. 